Welcome to the Inside the Junior Rain podcast. I'm your host, Ben Frank, and each and every week we give you an inside look on what goes on behind the scenes of a USA Hockey Model Association, the Junior Rain. We believe in learning, we believe in age-appropriate, long-term athletic development, and we believe we have the responsibility to harness the power of youth sports to create better athletes, better people, closer families, and a better world. Thank you for joining us, and together we can make youth hockey a life-changing experience. Okay, <laughs> welcome everyone for episode number 20 of Inside the Junior Reign, where we give you an inside look on what goes on behind the scenes of Youth Hockey Club, whose mission is to make youth hockey a life-changing experience together as a community. Uh, my name is Ben Frank, the president of the Junior Reign. With me as always is our Chief of Hockey Operations, Paul Esdell. Welcome, Paul. Uh, I'm just going to double check again to make sure that we're showing and we are not sideways or anything. It looks like we're good to go. So t- on this week's episode number 20 is a follow-up continuation of the last few episodes. Uh, a, a few weeks ago we started talking about what does it actually mean to be an ADM, USA Hockey American Development Model, Model Association, with the difference of the program and the difference of the approach, the, the, the requirements to meet as a club, and then really that what that means is there's differences in every age group, right? It's age appropriate in every age group. There's, there's very specific things in each age group you have to be following and be educated on in order to deliver the best sports experience for that age group and also the best long-term athletic development for that age group. So we started uh, going into what those specifics are. And last week we did an entire show on the eight and under age group. Uh, Paul went through the details of what it actually we're doing with that eight and under age group. So those players and parents out there and coaches and uh, other club uh, directors can see some of those specific things that we can do to give a world-leading development level experience for eight and under age, for the eight and under age group. So this week, we're gonna go to the 10 and under age group, uh, often called squirt, but now uh, uh, according to USA Hockey, which we like, I think it's just the 10 and under age group. So Paul here, our chief of uh, hockey operations and also the designer behind our curriculum that we use, is gonna start to talk about the key points of the 10 and under age group. So. Uh, take away Paul. Yeah, there's a lot of there's a lot of similarities, but it also it really builds on the eight U, right? And that's the whole topic book or, or uh, program of progression, right? You want it to build off of what you've learned, but it, you also want to take it to the next step, right? And I think that's what we've what we've been working on at, over the years and years. We've improved kind of the differentiating from eight U to ten U, then ten U to twelve U, but there's still some core principles that are the same. For example. Practice what what the focus should be fun still has to be paramount in a 10 u practice Engagement right so kids got to be engaged in what they're doing Practices have to be active because kids learn by doing obviously being age-appropriate and then starting to learn some basic hockey knowledge is, is really important Great, so Paul so again, so we, we, if we maybe you could just talk touch base again on what the, the overall arches for the eight under program were, and you talk about fun, engagement, activity, yeah. and then specifically, like you said, it's not it's not completely different at the ten and under age group. It's the next step. It's building on the same building blocks, and then taking the next step, the ten and under age group. What's really I mean, let's start with what's the same and why? Yeah, it's well, well, the, something like I said, some of the key focuses are we've got to make sure the kids have fun all the time and it's engaged and they're active, right? That's the critical fundamentals, right? And, and the, the, some of the other things that are the same is that the, they have to be moving, they're learning by doing. It doesn't mean now they're 10, 
Yeah. So they're ready for 20 years of hockey, you know, I'll just now stand there and I'll tell you where to go. They're still going to learn by doing that's going to be all the way up, right? And as they get older, there's going to be certain work to rest ratios, right? So a little, some of the things we maybe we didn't exactly touch on at AU is that work to rest ratio. Um, I think you asked me that I didn't answer it clearly was that it's, it's zero to one. They should be going nonstop. We're looking for 50, 55 minutes of activity during practice. Now, when we hit the squirts, it's more one to one. So it's go rest, go rest. Now we're looking at 30 to 40 minutes of activity, right? And now there, you know, there's the windows of trainability that we still build off of, right? The AU, it is that, is it's that suppleness for sure is number one. They have to be that suppleness. So it's really, really critical. And it's that speed one, right? So it's a short change of direction. And 10U builds on those, and those are still part of 10U. So speed one and suppleness. But now we talk about what is called the golden age of skill development. And that's the big thing for 10U and 12U. And this is where kids are most open to acquire skills. Right, so let's dial it back here sure. for a second just for everyone. And for people that haven't, maybe didn't watch last week's show as well, we, we, we wanna talk about the windows of trainability, yep. right? So that's what the ADM is based around, the windows of trainability. What's right for an eight-year-old is different than what's best for a 10-year-old. We talked last week and 12-year-old and 14-year-old, we talked about the growth chart, right? It's based on when kids when kids grow and how they grow and and because it's not all just a straight line right sure. it's not that they're, they're not developing all the same things at the same time just at a steady growth it's not like you're developing your mental your physical your emotional all the exact same amount every year you're developing different things at different age groups so you can see parents coaches administrators out there it's critical to know what's going on with that age group because if we're focusing on something that they're not developing at that point you're wasting your time you're missing other things that they are receptive to and you're potentially even doing damage like i said if we're trying to condition a seven-year-old or something like like that uh, we're potentially even doing damage or so you so the windows of trainability knowing those critical first you talked about the suppleness and speed one at the 8U level. So we talked about A, B, Cs, right? Agility, balance, coordination at the at the end level. The work to rest ratio is huge. They don't need to rest, really. Yeah. Kids needs water. Grab sure. water. Let's go. Get back into yeah. it, right? Of course, we're going to let them get water if they need to get quick water. And we do it in a way that right, we have the, the water bottles in the milk crate that slide around the station. So there's yeah. no, we don't have to stop everything. Kids go over, try to find their water bottle in the bed. It's just, it's right there. Water, let's go. Let's get it moving. And then knowing the difference of, okay, at the 10U level, they might need a little bit more rest. And then there's an opportunity within that to work we know that's a golden age of skill development it's an opportunity to, to 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 find ways to work on skills and to get them rest and those types of things and that's where the coaching and really understanding programming comes in right Ben and, and like you talked about in the eight you it's that agility balance coordination it's really that introduction to physical literacy right, right. now once we hit the tenue what we talk about the golden age of skill development is really honing in on those hockey specific skills on the ice and then off the ice, there's obviously athletic skill right. work, right, done. So it's really focusing on that and that's why we've, with our curriculum, we've taken the next step and, and the progression is we go from eight years just skill and sense practices, right? And you'll see like what, what USA Hockey Men's is about 85% of skills, activities and games and there's about, uh, there's about 15% of hockey sense at the 8U level, and there's 0% systems, right? Yeah. Now, once we hit the 10U, uh, it's about 75% skills and games, there's about 15% of the hockey sense, right? Smaller games, and then 10% systems, right? And we're gonna define that later yeah. so we understand what systems really is, right? But that's why in our curriculum, we've added, and they practice three days a week too, that's the right, other thing, right? right? They practice 
three practice to one game ratio that's different than AU, which is two to one game ratio, which is important to understand, is because they're more open to develop those skills. And we've added the next step of practice plans, which is the habit practices and the sense and system practices. So key thing there, right, is again, in the eight and under age group, just two practices a week, um, and, and then, then the one game, and it's not even every, every yeah. week is the one game, right? So we're getting kids, uh, uh, two practices is often, often still double what a recreational yeah. program would have. We're getting kids up, to, and, but we're doing like 50, 55 minutes of that 60 minutes is activity, right? Yeah. It's, going, it's, it's movement, it's different types of movement, right? It's going, 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 doing, doing, doing. And at the 10 and under age groups, we, we go into that golden age of skill development. The science says, we need more time, right? It's three practices with a lot of activity. There. Yeah, and at the eight-year and ten-year, you can do more, right? But you have to be careful of what you're doing, when you're doing it, and and, and why you're doing it, right? So that's this is classic, right? Of overdoing it. Oh, I have an, an elite eight-year-old. Now I'm going to put him ten you, and he's going to go to the ring six days a week for five hours a day, yeah. and all these organized structure, everything. And it's I'm going to be pushing them here, pushing them there, and that's when we see you know the burnout and not, and not gaining that ownership and that passion, right? So we're still planting that hockey for life seed at the ten and under level, right? It's got to be something fun. It's got to be their passion. They want to come back and they got to want to work for themselves to get better at practice. Which is why you said that the cornerstones don't change, yeah. right? The fun, the fun and the engagement, are right, are, are, are still still a, still a major focus point. The 10 under age group doesn't, hockey's not fun anymore, now it's just work. No, it's, it's right. gotta be, they gotta wanna come to the rink. If we are gonna have the three practices a week, a lot of programs don't have three practices a week at the 10 and under age group level. We gotta have them wanting to come to the rink and wanting to be there and wanting to be engaged and doing their best in those practices. And, and we've said this before, right? The, the example USA Hockey uses a lot is we want it to look like Disneyland. We want them to come and go on the rides, yeah. right? What is not fun at Disneyland is standing in the lines, yeah. right? And we don't want them to come to practice and then stand in line on ice and listen to, you know, the coaches tell them or yell at them or whatever it is and just stand there, right? Or wait for their turn after five minutes of waiting for their turn to do one little rep and a drill and they go to the back of the line. One, really not great for their development. Two, it's not realistic and it obviously doesn't help hockey development. And the big one, it's no fun, right? Waiting in that line. So we want to make sure, even at the 10U level, 12U level and up, that they're still coming, they have that hunger to do do practice and love it and enjoy it, it's important. And it just shows you why, how it's so critical and why we're so passionate about the ADM program. We, I talked about a few episodes ago, we talked about our story and our transition to becoming a model club. And, and before, so before we, our club was set up, we had two practices a week at the 10 and under level. We had, we didn't have a curriculum. Okay. Our coaches were just doing, our coaches were high level hockey people, played pro or college hockey, but they were doing old school practices or practices that were more appropriate for the pro and college level with higher work to rest ratios. And so you can imagine, I talked about our analysis of actual activity tracker practices of two practices a week with non-age appropriate style practices with kids waiting in line and, and, and that type of thing, working on systems and positional play, the, the different and, a go, and knowing that it's a golden age of skill development, which comes from doing and, and those repetition and, and doing the right things, the difference that we see with the right amount of practices, of practice ratio per week and doing the right things, I mean, it's a 25 times plus difference over the course of the season with and, the kids. And the, the difference is that we have to remember is that this is about the long-term athletic development right. player, right? So people will get focused on team results when we're actually building individuals to build good teams down the road so they can be good teammates, right? A lot of other clubs will be focused on the short-term of the team success, not, not necessarily the athlete. They don't really care about that. 
They care about how the team does, yeah. right? How they win the games, right? So winning, you know, square hockey games, play the best players, short-term focus, you can do that, right? But that's just a shortcut, right? right. This way takes longer, it's much more difficult, right? But in the long term, it's much better for the player, for their longevity in the sport, their relationship with the sport, their relationship with their family. It, it, it really snowballs into a major, major effect on how they live their lives down the road. And, and again, just, just on the windows of trainability, the, the, another reason why we're so passionate about it is we have the responsibility, right? we're, we're leaders in this uh, hockey organization. Parents and kids and athletes are trusting us to help them pursue their dreams and their fullest potential, become the best that they can be. Whatever road that means they take, whether it's going to the NHL or just trying to be the best hockey player they can be to, to feel good about that and to play this game as long as they can. Um, now, knowing what we know, if you don't do the right things at those windows of trainability times, if we miss those, it's very difficult to make that up, right? It's once you get to the next level window of trainability, 12 and under or 14 under, we should be focusing in on what's most important there. And to try to play catch up and do the things that they miss at the younger age levels uh, can be very challenging, which is the whole reason why the ABM exists in the first place. They were found that they weren't able to catch up at those top end players at the National Development yeah. Program. Yeah, Ben, that's right. And that's why we decided years ago that we need a plan, yeah. right? And that's why the curriculum was born, right? Because without a curriculum, without a plan, whatever you want to name it, uh, you don't know where you're going. And if you're not doing the right things every day on the ice, every year, year after year after year, you're, you're gonna get inconsistent results, right? And you're never gonna develop people to their fullest potential. You may have some more winning teams because you take the short-term approach, right? But at the end of the day, our job is to give back to the game give back to the athletes and give everyone an opportunity to make this great game uh, impact their lives and impact their families. And if we just focus on the top five kids, uh, you know, the elite kids that are, you know, maybe they're more mature or whatever they are, maybe they're older, and we just focus on that, that's really a short-term focus and that's really adult-centered. And that's why we have to get, we put the curriculum in place because it's athlete-centered. We know because of what the practices are and what they consist of, that we're hitting all those important windows of trainability and we're making sure it's age appropriate, we're making sure it's fun, we're making sure it's active, right? And that's really the key and that's why that was born because we didn't know, there's no other way to uh, replicate or duplicate uh, the right things on the ice uh, all over from team to team and we just, we know that putting in place something that can be executed by all our coaches and we know it's doing the right thing for the kids, we know long term it's gonna be the healthiest thing for them. Say hi to Grant, uh, who's tuned in here watching and says he's in for another informative session. So thanks for that, Grant. Um, Paul, just on that, I want to talk about the, it's the ultimate, we've seen it, right? Uh, trying to get the team to win this year is our main priority. Now, again, let's not get things wrong. Sure. We're both competitive guys, right? Yeah. We love to, we love to win. We want to win. We want the kids to strive to win every time we play uh, hockey at a high level. You don't do that and you don't do this as a full-time passion if you're not competitive sure. and wanting to win. But again, what's the focus? And the, trying to get the team to win is the ultimate short-term focus. Sure. We've seen that, what the first of all, there's a number of things that in reality of what happens when we try to do that. Because uh, again, we've had teams in our club that that's been the focus years ago before we, before we created that plan of who we're gonna be and what we're, we're doing here. The short-term focus on let's get this team to win alienates certain kids right doesn't develop them doesn't play doesn't doesn't play them yeah. and what it all, all it does is every year first of all the very few of those teams end up staying as a unit long term because there's ultimately it's not athlete focused there's kids that get 
left left out or caught or things like that don't or that don't develop at a certain rates don't grow a certain rates and get left off the coach is going to constantly have to recruit kids from other places top kids in to keep that team winning and successful ultimately those teams usually blow up there's a few odd ones that stay together the ones that do stay together are not the same kids there's maybe it's the same coach <laughs> and then they're cut they're discarding kids and then they're getting a new kid in and to be a winning team and it's first of all it's exhausting it's not enjoyable uh, because it's it's constant turnover and it's it's not doing and you're discarding kids and kids are quitting and kids aren't developing to their full potential. It's the ultimate short-term solution. It might in that moment win you that hockey game that weekend, but in the long term, it's it's not doing much good. Yeah. So a great parallel, Ben, is and we talk about it's what you're reinforcing with the kids and obviously what your plan is, right? So if you think about an example on the ice, this example is a great one. So you're you have a nine-year-old player, and every time. He gets the puck, you teach him to get to the red line and dump the puck in, right? Why? Well, that's how the pros play. That's a safe play. They don't all play like that, but there's, that's a common play, dump and chase, right? Mm -hmm. Safe play, he's not gonna make a mistake, and it gives us a better chance to win because you know we're not gonna turn the puck over the new zone. Well, what happens is now he's 11, 12, 13 years old, and when he gets the puck, that's all he's looking to do. As soon as he gets the red line, he dumps it in, well, you know, probably 50, 75% of the time, he actually has time to make a play. Well, he's never learned and been able to learn how to create a play or have the confidence, gain the confidence to make a play. So now he missed out on all those, that skilled amount of being able to make plays. And at the end of the day, we know at the highest levels is, you know, can you make a play, mm -hmm. right? Can you make a play under pressure? We talked about that before. Can you, and, and the thing is, and, and what people miss out on is that if we want to make a safe play, for example, and dump the puck in, that can be taught in about five seconds, yeah, yeah. right? And we're spending- To a skilled player. To a skilled player. Yeah. We're spending all our time with our nine, 10, 11, 12 year olds in youth hockey, uh, thankfully not here in our organization, is telling them that dumping the puck is the right play. That's a smart play. When in fact, it's gonna hurt them down the road because the smarter player can read pressure, can read time and space. And now when he's 18 years old, and he's in the midget AAA championship game, and he sees he needs to get the red line and get a change because he's tired, he can do that. Easily. Right? Yeah. But now, like, so you're gonna miss out on all the skills of them, and they're, that player that is just taught to dump the puck at nine years old, 10 years old, will never develop those skill sets. And that's, that's what we see in the environment and what we call the, you know, the win at all costs, the competitive model, uh, the entertainment culture is play like the pros. In reality, you should not be playing like the pros yeah. at the 10 and under level. You should be playing like a skilled, creative, open-minded, uh, and passion in the yeah. mind kind of player. And that's our responsibility as coaches, as organizers to uh, push that on kids. Is That's the right thing. It's okay to make a mistake yeah. there. Failure is okay. How do we react to failure is important, right? You have to fail before you succeed. So now when I go through that and I try to be the guy at the red line and I lose it, maybe that costs me. But now I learn from that, hey, now I gotta move the puck, I gotta chip it, whatever I gotta do. But that's the process, and we gotta make sure we reinforce that's important. We want players that wanna make plays, we want players that believe in themselves, that they know they can make a difference in the game and get to, to get the winning goal or the winning assist or and go for it and try things and be aggressive, right? And 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 believe in themselves and have fun doing it. And what's ultimately is gonna happen, like you said, Paul, is you have a team maybe that's 
having success on the score on the scoreboard by making those safe plays and things. Yep. If that team is trying to stall at the higher level, those kids that helped win those games to get there, who can only get to the red line and dump it in, are eventually going to get cut for the kid that can come in and make plays <laughs> yeah. from the other organization. And that's the thing is that it flips, right? Yeah. And that's why, and we all can get caught up in the motion of the game, myself included, and we have to take a step back and have some perspective on what's really most important for this kid right now. Is it okay that he lost the puck and scored him because he tried to make a play? And, you know, nine times out of ten, it probably is, right? Yeah. And we all, including myself, have to look in the mirror sometimes and take a breath and say, hey, that's part of the learning process of making that mistake and failing. Now, can we learn from it? How did he respond to it? Did he hang his head? Yeah. He or she, did he get back up and chase the guy down and try his best to stop, even though he still scored? Did he slam his stick and throw a fit? Did yeah. he yell at his team? Or did he, right? That's, that's what, and did he, or did he not want to try it again now because he doesn't believe in himself? So, right? So, how they respond to this, like you said, Paul, is the, you know, no one learns to walk without falling down a bunch of times, right? So, if we don't try things, we're never going to learn to, learn to be able to do it. And unfortunately, um, if, if the, the, the places that don't allow, for those, maybe they they want they're happy that somewhere else. There's letting the play the kids do that because down the road they're going to need those players to come in and replace their own players that they're not given the opportunity to develop those things, and then just just discarding them uh, for the long term uh, success. When when we know that we if we if we if we're willing to say we want to we're, we're willing to live with the mistakes. We want kids to go for. We want kids to to develop these types of things. Uh, we'll di we'll live with the mistakes now so that later we can have that confident player that can make plays and love the game and just keep playing. Yeah, no question, right? This is a and this is a unique time of year, right? You think about the Olympics, right? Yeah. And they do a lot of profiles on stories of Olympic yeah. athletes that are really cool and I've seen some cool commercials, right? Where every player, every Olympian has a story that he's not he or she is just not that finished product of the Olympian or mm -hmm. the NHL player, right? Everyone has a story, everyone has had a struggle. And sometimes as adults, we get ahead of ourselves, right? And we want to put adult priorities on kids, on little kids, right? On nine-year-olds, 10-year-olds. And we got to make sure we reflect and take a step back and, and make sure we're doing the right things for the kids. Because in the long term, we, have, we, we got to remember that that practice, that game is, you know, they're only going to be on the ice how many days a week, right? They don't have the outdoor rink where they can make all those mistakes every day, every day, every day. They have to go through some of these mistakes during, you know, important youth hockey games. I've seen quotations, yeah. right? How important are they really, yeah. right? And it's, like I said, it's all easy to get caught up in the, the spirit of the game and wanting to win, and we want to win the games, right? We want to teach kids to want to win games, but also we've got to have perspective on, on how big a mistake that really is in, in the bigger picture of their long-term development. And that's why important, you know, having that timeline in front of you that six years old to 18 year old and have that in the back of your mind and say, okay, hey, that's just a little, little bullet point. That's just right. a little point, bullet point on this path. This is where we are now. Okay, he made that mistake, lost the game, no problem. We're still here, we're going this way. You know, and, and, and having that perspective, I gotta do the same thing as a coach. And so Paul, you talked about in the skill book, you talked about, right, yeah. about, about um, uh, skills, yep. sense, yep. and systems. Yes. Maybe you can define those for people, what what is the what are the skills? So he said, my at the eight U sure. level, it's all eighty five percent skills, yep. fifteen percent sense, zero percent systems, yep. and it changes at the ten U. So so that. skills are, you know, in our skill, and we have practices called skill and sense practices. So skills are skating, right, and then all the skill, the actual skill sets underneath that, right, inside edge, outside edge, tight turns, turns, crossovers, transitions. Uh, I can go on and on, right? They're stopping, you know, starting. 
um, you know, crossover starts. There's all these different things, right? So skating is number one. Uh, two is puck skills, right? So that is puck handling, right? That is passing, that is shooting. So those are all those skills, right? And then there's also competing, right? So skating, uh, puck skills, competing. So what's competing? Well, competing is battling for the puck, you know, having the ability to use your stick to get the puck, have it using your body. Those are all things that start at the, the eight and under level. And that's why they do puck races and battles for the puck. And then the next one uh, of the uh, kind of the four key skills of a complete player we talk about is the thinking part, right? And that's just introduced at the eight and under level. And that's what we were talking about last time was there's some smaller games introduced but it's, they're not very, they're less complicated, smaller games. It's more like four and four scrimmage, you gotta make one pass or something like that. So, so you have to look to find somebody. Yeah, so it's out. less complicated because at their, at their age level with, with the majority of, of, their, of where they're at in their, in their cognitive development, they're not able to link all these complex games together quite yet, right? And that's when we hit the 10 level, right? We dive into the different types of practices, the skill and sense, so it still hits those categories skate, uh, puck skills, competing, and thinking, right? And now we're getting into more of the hockey sense, which is more of the thinking, and that's when we put in our sense and system practices. So that's teaching systems through small area games. So game-related live action concepts. So there's offensive zone, there's defensive zone, or offensive concepts, defensive concepts. There's special teams, meaning power play, penalty kill, odd man situations. There's transitions, right? So offense to defense, defense to offense. Offense. Uh, there's breakouts, right? So getting out the puck out of your zone, and then there's four checks, getting getting the puck from people, right? So those, the, you know, there's a lot there. So 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 systems, Paul, right? For, for systems, is yeah. often those types of things that you talk about, right? Is is the power play, the breakout, yeah. and and so the difference here, right, is that we're not necessarily teaching a team positional alignment, yeah. so, you're teaching the, the concept. There. Right, so in higher level hockey, professional hockey, they will refer to a four checking system, right? And the system would be a two one D pinch, or you know, a one three one, or a one two two, uh, one two two center pinch. Those are systems in the hockey world, in the bigger hockey world. When we speak about systems, it's bigger than just a, um, a number formula or four checker defensive zone coverage. It is big concepts, right? So they have to learn offensive side, defensive side of the puck, stick position, um, playing without the puck, playing with the puck. So all these, you know, and then supporting the puck, pursuing the puck. We talked about the eight nine level. So there's all these things put together in a small area game that represent re, re, represents an offensive situation in a game. So for example, a great example of an, an offensive concept game would be. Uh, something like the quarterback game. So what that is, it's maybe two on two or three on three down low, and then there's a guy up top, and he's like a passer. So you gotta move the puck to the guy up top, and then from there, the offensive players have to get open. So okay, we're working on one thing, getting to open ice, yeah. right? Offensive De concept. Offensive concept, defensive concept. The defensive team has to cover somebody, right? So they can't just cover the man and forget about the quarterback with the puck because that's not, in reality, if you just cover your guy in front and have your back turned to the play and someone gets beat, you're gonna get scored on, right? So you have to have the ability of knowing where the puck is and the man is, right? So that's a defensive zone or defensive concept that you're working on in just one small area game, And right? one that's not just a set system for them, it's like right. stand over here or stand over there where they're actually having to read and do this. Well, the reality is hockey is not like that. Right. 
Hockey is not football. Hockey is not run a route. There may be some similar patterns that you do, and we'll talk about that in our next set of practices, right? But at the end of the day, hockey is an invasion sport, and there's no two slams, no two plays exactly the same. It's fluid, right? it's fluid, it's transitioning all the time. Offense, defense, mistakes, all these things are happening. And that's why practicing in, in concepts makes way more sense for kids' development. It develops their hockey sense for the long term. It becomes intrinsic. They'll always have it once they develop. The, the challenge we face is it takes a lot longer, right? Because we're not giving them answers on the test. Hey, Johnny, whenever that puck is there, stand there no matter what, and you'll be safe. And on the surface, that answer will look right. Yeah. It will look like, okay, he's doing or she's doing the right thing because they're in front of the net. That's where they're supposed to be. That's what they're told to be. And they're going to keep the puck on the net. Or the same thing as like, never pass in front of the net. Yeah. Well, it's not never pass yeah. in front of the net. It's just don't pass in front of the net when someone else is there to take the puck yeah. from you. Yeah. But there may be times at the higher levels yeah. or when they're older where you're going to have to make a pass across the your... The only thing that's open, right? Right, yeah. if it's open, it's the only thing. And that's, that t that's why you develop hockey sense. So people, players can make plays and write the right, make the right plays at the right time. But you can't do that by just telling them to stand there, stand there, stand there. You have to do it by trial and error. And that's done in repeating game situations and shrinking the space so they get more repetitions, more decisions are made faster, right? And you have to keep going through these decisions and you're gonna make wrong decisions, wrong decisions, wrong decisions, and you're gonna keep doing those until you're gonna start making better decisions. And then you're so also gonna be acquiring the skills to make those decisions faster and more efficient. And if you have the skills and you have the sense, meaning that you can read yes. plays, you can learn any system, right? You can learn any it's, one, two, two, or... Another, uh, another great example, Ben, is, and what I want to talk about this, I don't want to forget about it, is uh, everyone said, everyone's, you know, I hear this a lot, is when they transition from 80 to 10, it was like, well, how are they going to learn offsides? Yeah. Uh, you know, how do they know about offside? All right, so the players that have some hockey sense and have been going through the right program, you can teach offside in probably a few minutes, yeah. right? Is there going to be some guys that it takes longer and forgets and they're offside during a game. I saw just this past weekend in a sport game, one kid was offside and was on the wrong side. And then he kind of realized it during the play. It took him about five, 10 seconds, yeah. but it's really a simple thing when kids understand the game and we have smaller games built in. Uh, you know, there's the offside game, there's a face-off battle game. So they're working on, you know, what setup they're doing off face-offs, what their roles and responsibilities are off face-offs, right? In a format that gives them more reps and and that's really important because it, it increases their development. So Paul, explain some some of the specifics now. Just the last few minutes with the ten sure. age group. Maybe he's touch on roster size. He's touch. Sure. He's talk about practice uh, ratios, um, and then some of those uh, like the percentages uh, as well for the age group. And maybe how they even how the stations and stuff that sure. looks compared to the eight. You know? Yeah. So uh, roster sizes nine to nine to twelve skaters, right? With one goalie. Uh, there is possibilities that there would be a team with two goalies, but if there's two goalies, one of the goalies should be skating up. Right, so uh, so difference that, right, we've seen a lot of times yep. 10 and under age groups with like 15 skaters yeah, and two goalies on a team. You know, what, what and, and there could be some like advantages on game day with, well, for a, sure. with a full three lines. Just, right? do, just do the math, right? If you have 10 skaters, you're going every other time, so you're playing 50% of the game if you're in an equal playing time USA hockey program. So 50% of the game you will play. Yeah, so our, right? so our guidelines, right, are those limited roster size and equal playing time. So, sure, so 50%, right, for sure, 
right? And if you have nine, you're going to play more, right? Yeah. Uh, you know, rough 40, 40, 50%, right? Whatever it is. Uh, if you have 12, it's a little bit less, obviously. Uh, but if you're going to a 15 man roster, usually that's one every third time. So that's 33% of the game <laughs> if it's equal. If it's not equal, now you're getting down into the 20s, 25%. If you're one of the lower kids, maybe it's 15, 10, 15%. Think about that and their development and their experience, right? How how much better are the other kids getting? Yeah. The, the better kids are, are giving more opportunities, so they're getting better. And the kids that are behind or lower skill or lower uh, experience or younger, or or younger yeah. are never having the opportunity to get better. So we're just separating the gap even more and more. And, and that's the problem, and that's why we see the kids leaving the game because of that, right? So those are key focuses. The roster size is really important. How they're played is really important. Um, and then the types of practice we talked about, right, is the skill and sense, assist, sense and system. And the third one that we've put in, in the last couple of years is the habit practice, right? So habit is something that happens during game that it's hard to repeat during a smaller game. So it's some sort of skill that we want to repeat so they can get good at it in the long term. So for a couple categories are offense and scoring. So we have specific drills that are focused on offense and scoring. Specific drills, defense and scoring, uh, shooting and skating, skating and puck skills, passing puck support, uh, angling and body contact. And so this is where at a 10U level, they start to get into how to use their body, how to use the stick position, understanding one-on-ones, understanding two-on-ones, understanding gap control. These are all things that are introduced now and it's not just fixed in one day or developed in one day. This takes, you know, several years of doing this stuff and understanding, but that's where this stuff is all introduced, right? And, and it, it progresses to the 12 and under level. Awesome. So we're a few minutes over there, but uh, I think that was a great start into okay. the 10 and under. Yeah, age I don't group. know if we covered it all yet. But. Um, just maybe re reference back to where the, the, the details are available in the, the skill book. We talk about that yeah. a lot. Maybe just the, the sections that are in there, uh, Paul, the, 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 the skill, to list all the skills out, just like it was with the 8 and under yep. age group. Um, Maybe just give the percentages uh, and then and just oh, one last overview of the windows of trainability it talks about. Yeah, so so we have, you know, I have this in my hand here. It's the skills progressions for youth hockey by USA Hockey. And it goes ev over every age group, 8U, 10U, 12U, uh, 14, and then 16 and 18U. And this is really what we've built our curriculum off of. This is what the research is done by USA Hockey all around the world for many years. And this is really the right program, the age appropriate uh, program for, for kids at all ages, right? And the 10U level, right? is important is is the the practices go up three to one practice to game ratio right we just talked about the roster sizes of playing time but the focus points have to be the fun the engagement active practices make sure they're age appropriate and then starting to understand that basic hockey knowledge so we just talked about some of that the offside right some of the positioning right knowing that uh where i'm a left winger okay line up on the left side for the face off right and you'll see at the 10 under level that kids will play multiple positions and that's really recommend so they see the game out of different ways, right? So they don't just become a designated, and we didn't get to talk about this enough, is we don't want to designate kids as just left winger and that's all you are, right? The great example is, well, hey, you're 18 now and uh, or 19, 20 years old and the Chicago Blackhawks have a spot yeah. open on right wing and, well, I can't, sorry, I'm a left winger only. Yeah. I've been on this left side of the ice my whole life. I don't know what it's like over there. And that's why it's important for kids to be left wing, play center, play right wing, Play defense, defense as well, right? The 10U level. At the 8U level, play goalie. And play goalie right. as well at the 8U level. So this at the 10U level, they'll start to get into some positions, but they will play multiple positions throughout the season and even sometimes during the game. And even at the 12U level, for example, last 12U game, 
we had uh, a couple guys out and we needed some defensemen. So kids that have played defense before in the years past were able to step in there very easily, right? So that's important. And then other big thing is right now is what we talk about is the windows of trainability, right? So we're still building off of the speed one, right? Short burst, change directness, that quickness. We're still building off of the suppleness, right? Um, that's the physical literacy. But now we're diving into that golden age of skill development. Really the prime age for skill acquisition, right? So they're really open to that. And that's why we would develop these practices to have it, that those habit practices. And that's why we focus that percentage of, you know, still 75% skills, 15% smaller games. Uh, and now that 10% of some of the system understanding of the, not just a two, one, two, four check, more the concepts of offensive zone, defensive zone, the special team concepts, right? Uh, the transition concepts, breakouts, and forechecks. So the bigger concepts, which we know down the road, will pay off for them. Okay, so just to wrap up here, some, some keys from the 10 and under age group uh, for whether you're within our club or out or, or somewhere else with a parent, coach, or administrator to get the best development experience with 10 and under age group. We talked about three to one practice to game ratios, three practices per week, off-ice athletic development yeah. training at, li at least right. twice a week, if not three times a week on that. Limited roster size, maximum of 12 skaters, equal playing time, playing multiple positions, no single team practices, so it's station-based practice environment, high activity levels, no out-of-state travel, so we're focusing on families, time and resources at home, not missing school work, not spending a lot of money traveling around, around the U.S. or other countries, focusing on your development at home. Um, I said equal, uh, yeah, equal, equal yeah, yeah. playing time, small roster sizes. Yeah. The positions, no travel. Right? Those are some of the big, and then the practice to game ratio. Yeah. Some major key points there. Uh, as always, really appreciate your comments and your likes and your shares on the video. We'll either uh, get, uh, whether you're watching live or on the replay, we'll get back to your comments either live on the show or in the comment section on their, on Facebook there. And uh, we'll see you guys next week. Next Monday's President's Day. There's yeah. a tournament. So we'll be back on Tuesday for episode number 21 of Inside Junior Raid. We'll, we'll dive into 12 and under age group. Perfect. Thanks, Thanks. everyone.